Hello and welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers, podcast number 36. A big welcome back to anybody who's returning and thanks for stopping in to anybody who's new this week. Well, this week's podcast, I get a chance to talk to Jason Fisher. And Jason and I met um, via the podcast. He was listening and sent me a note, and uh, we started some correspondence, and here we are. So, so much fun getting to make a new friend from across the country, and, you know, really what Stranger Stopping Strangers is all about. So we start off with Let It Rock, um, his selection, which was very apropos, uh, because we taped the podcast a day after the late but always great Chuck Berry passed. And it really kicked off a bit of a theme of the Grateful Dead's influence by musicians and songwriters and how they now are influencing current and future musicians and songwriters. And um, it was a really fun conversation. And we play a couple songs for his kids, uh, future budding deadheads. So just a really great time and uh, very full circle to the past, current, and future generations of deadheads. And really, if anybody is listening and would like to share their story and make a digital soundtrack, please shoot me an email because uh, I'd love to hear from you. And it's really community podcast and, and what it's all about. So I hope everybody enjoys listening as much as we enjoyed making it. And uh, we'll catch you in a couple of weeks. Well, Jason, welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers. Uh, thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm excited. We've chatted a little bit and gotten little, you know, taste of of uh, our stories, but I'm excited to do a deep dive in here. You know how how it all unravels. Uh, I can't wait. It should be fun. Absolutely. So, tell me a little bit about the beginning. Tell me a little bit about you know your early days with music and uh, discovery. Um, yeah, I would absolutely call myself uh, a late bloomer when it comes to my, um, uh, my, my friendship and my relationship with this music and uh, being an actual deadhead. Um, I grew up in a small town in Colorado, uh, and I was the oldest of four kids. Um, I had a few friends that had um, older brothers that uh, could kind of guide them into uh, music. You know, you want to listen to this band, you want to blow off. Um, these cheesy bands, and I never had that, and so I kind of picked my way through uh, myself. Um, I was always around the dead. Uh, my, my hometown's kind of like a, you know, hippie paradise, and so the dead was always there playing in, you know, the kitchens of restaurants where I worked in and all this kind of stuff, but it, it, it was always just kind of in the background of my life. I believe you had a guest on your podcast a while ago who attended the show in Telluride in 1987. Yeah, um, Jeff, and, Jeff and, Rosen, that was awesome. Yes, and when that came along, um, I was 14 years old. I was just kind of working on a construction crew for the summer, and everybody on the crew and everybody in, in town was just kind of going nuts. Oh, the dead's coming to Telluride. It's the closest that they had ever been, you know, to my part of Colorado. And, and so, you know, they were going, and people were asking me if, if I was going to go, if I wanted to go, but it just seemed really kind of weird and foreign to me and uh my my folks didn't let me go anyway <laughs> um and so i i missed that and, and as i you know got to you know got into high school and and uh and beyond i started listening to the dead a lot more i found some friends that you know had some tapes um and you know just kind of like you know filled in my gaps 
Um, I had picked up a few studio albums um, and a few tapes over the years, and, and I, I was just really able to fill in some of my you know, gaps in, in my knowledge and, and really pick up more of this band. But it didn't really stick uh, right away. Um, I, I saw The Dead uh, three times in the early 90s uh, in Vegas and in Phoenix, you know, big stadium shows. My experience was not the greatest at these. Um, I was really far back. The sound quality to me wasn't that great. I, I, I was just, it was, it was there, I was there and it was fun, but it didn't really click with me. Right. Um, and then when Jerry passed, I mean, it, it hit me, you know, uh, in terms of like, you know, I, I knew that, that we lost somebody that was meaningful and impactful to my life. But it was around the same time that um, Kurt Cobain died and Tupac Shakur died. And the, the analogy I always come up with is those three deaths all kind of hit me about the same in terms of like, oh, that's really sad. And I'm, I'm really sad to lose that music. But it wasn't like a, a big devastating thing to me because at that time I wasn't a huge fan. But then in the late 90s, I got hooked up with some friends that were really, really into widespread panic. And I started going to a ton of widespread shows, and I sort of picked up on, you know, the tour scene and the lot and, you know, going on these long runs, multiple shows, multiple nights, traveling with a band, that kind of thing. And I realized this whole world of music. And The Dead was, again, always in the background for me. Um, you know, I started listening more and more, you know, to 70s Dead and a lot of Jerry Band and it, and it really started clicking with me, started going to a lot of, you know, other ones, further shows, Phil and Friends, Rat Dog. Uh, I've got to a point now, you know, I mean, I'm older, I've got kids, and uh, I, I listen to more dead and dead-related music than I ever have. Um, I'm, I'm much more of a fan uh, than I was when uh, the actual Grateful Dead was on this earth. I, I'm sad that I didn't, you know, do more back then. But I'm really, really happy to have access to what we do right now as, as fans in this day and age. Well, I agree. And there is, I mean, there's just so much fun stuff to look forward to. And, you know, I love hearing what you say about the, the future and going forward, because, you know, regardless of, of how old you are, you know, we can't go backwards. It is about going forward. And there's just so much fun music coming up, you know, on the horizon every day. Yes, there is. Very cool. So I want to go into some music. And the first song that you selected is not new music. In fact, it's it's more, it's old, and it's classic, and it's, it's more apropos today on the 20th of March than ever before. So tell me a little bit about your first pick. Um, well, this is uh, a song called Let It Rock, um, and it, it is appropriate today. It's a Chuck Berry song, and, and uh, we lost Chuck Berry over the weekend. Um, obviously he contributed, uh, quite a few songs to the Grateful Dead songbook, uh, you know, around and around and promised land. And, uh, this is a song that, that Jerry Garcia played a lot, you know, with Jerry band. Um, I was first turned on to this song from, uh, widespread panic. Uh, they played it, uh, a fair amount in their live repertoire. And this was a show from, uh, 1974, um, and it was the only time that this song was played by the Grateful Dead. Wow. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a cool version. Uh, it's a pretty uh, short, snappy version, nice podcast length. 
and I uh, hope you like it. Fantastic. Well, I'm really excited. I did have a listen, and it is really cool, and I'm excited to share it. So, everybody, let's hear Let It Rock from the late, great Chuck Berry, and then we'll be back. to let it rock and you know I just love that you made this selection for so many reasons I mean yes it is apropos to what is Chuck Berry passing but you know it's been such a huge topic that I've bantered around with a couple of people and I'd love to just get your perspective on which is um, you know just the idea that this this classic music this this genre of music that was you know created in the the back half of the 20th century 
is being played by so many musicians. And I feel like it's almost alleviating the, the words cover band or covering, you know, like I, it's, it, I think I talked about it with Ira and, and, and I love to get everyone's different opinions about it because with other musical genres, with classic and with jazz, it's just a given that different people are going to play the same music that was written. And what are your thoughts on that going forward? Well, yeah, I believe it was Ira that was talking about, you know, Beethoven. When we talk about Beethoven music, you know, this was music that was written hundreds of years ago, and it's been performed continuously to this day. Um, Shakespeare plays have been performed continuously to this day, and we still think of them as compositions by Beethoven and by Shakespeare, um, and we pay attention to who is performing them because obviously some people performing them are of a higher skill level. Um, some people put new and different spins and interpretations on them, but we still think of them as, as works by the original composers that are still modern and fresh, um, even though the people that created them uh, have long since passed. And what, what I love about the, the catalog of a, of a band of the Grateful Dead is, you know, they created and composed, you know, hundreds of fantastic songs. I think it's the greatest catalog um, of any band in the history of music in terms of the scope and depth of the music that they created. I mean, the Beatles made great music, but they were only together as a band for like seven years. Um, and, and you can, you know, rattle off. I mean, Bob Dylan is a fantastic songwriter, you know, um, but Bob Dylan does not, in my opinion, have the the range and depth of creating various forms of rock and roll. Bob Dylan did not necessarily create an entire musical genre of his own. But what's great about the the Dead is that they were able to sprinkle in all of this great original music that they composed with um, many, many works um, comprising the entire American songbook. Um, they, they've gone back to, you know, I mean, old traditional songs and, and you know, uh, Woody Guthrie, you know, early Americana, um, that kind of stuff, um, and old blues, um, and then, you know, taken more like uh, contemporary, you know, pop music from, from their, uh, you know, people that were recording at the same time. Um, you know, the band and, and the who and, and bands like that. And you were able to go and, and, you know, go attend a dead show or listen to a dead show. And you didn't know where these songs were going to be in terms of order in the set. Um, and it didn't really matter because they're putting their own spin and interpretation on what they're playing. And they made everything dead songs. Yeah. And what's happening now is if those dead songs are being played by other bands that are either quote-unquote dead cover bands, or they're being played by um, modern contemporary musicians that have nothing uh, otherwise to do with the dead, um, the music lives on. Uh, the music never stops. And um, it's, it's just becoming part of the fabric of listening to American music. Um, it's not segregated from everything else. It's, you know, I, I remember when I was a kid, it just seemed like the dead was its own category. Yeah. And it still, it still is, you know. But it's more tied together with everything. I think they're getting more and more recognition um, as not just being a cultural phenomenon, but as uh, one of the greatest creators of original American music that there ever been. I totally agree. And even the original creators of American music that, that incorporate other songwriters and other people's original music, you know, like the Beatles and, and like yes. Chuck Berry and like, you know, yes. many Bob Dylan songs. And yes. you know, I just think it's a really exciting time, you know, and I love talking about it because as we said before we went into 
to Let It Rock. You know, the company is coming up and, and we're all excited to go because of just, you know, the music and the vibe and, and the people all together. And I, uh, yeah, no, I think it's a really exciting time. And I think that in other genres, it's been accepted. And really, when you look at the difference, it's a matter of time and, and time changes everything. And I think we're in a transitional time right now where things are being broken down and new bands are creating catalogs that are, again, not cover or, you know, I just think it's, it's exciting. And I love talking about it because, you know, this, this shit's new. I mean, again, it's like late 20th century and classical origins go back to 19th century and the, you know, the blues and the jazz, you know, they go back to early 20th century. So I think everything takes time to evolve. Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, many of the themes, you know, that, that the dead uh, wrote about in their original songs, I mean, some of them are just, it's, it's timeless themes. It's, it's, it's love and loss and, you know, crime and redemption and, and all of these things. But there, there are some things that the dead was never like a super political band, uh, but they did hit on, you know, some things in terms of, you know, modern society and government and, and uh, the citizens role in it um, that with, with each new chapter, um, of American history that we're writing, you know, some of these uh, songs and ideas take on new relevance. Absolutely. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really neat to, to look at the world through that prism as we do. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's like you look at something like New Speed Boogie, you know, which is old. Yes. And then you look at something like Throwing Stones, which was, you know, in the late 80s. And, you yes. know, and then even that was, you know, gosh, almost 30 years ago. You know, I, uh, I, I want to play more music, but I want to sidebar. And you just hit on a story that is just so relevant in my recent history. And it's um, when I went to go see Dark Star Orchestra in November, they were, you know, they were doing a recreation show and it was right after the election. And a lot of the songs, they, we didn't, the people didn't know if it was a recreation show or not, I guess is what I'm trying okay. to say. And so a lot of the songs that they played, people thought they were creating this catalog to be relevant to what was going on in today. So, you know, at the set break, you know, people are like, no, you know, this, no, they're just, they're, this isn't a, this isn't a recreation show. This is, this is for now. You know, this is November. Right. This is what's going on. This is, this, they, these are all very specific songs that they've selected. Like they and, created the set list as a topical thing. Right, exactly. Right. And that was right. kind of the buzz, you know, at the set break of like, that's what was happening. And then at the end, no, it was, uh, it was from like 1989, you know, sure. <laughs> like it was sure. a recreation. And so again, it's all like relative to, you know, what's going on in our world and what we think and what we hear and how it transcends. And people were so convinced that this was all now, but right. it wasn't, it was 89, but it was as, as real now as it was then. Uh, of course it is. Yes. Uh, I, these, these themes, um, and these ideas are timeless. We can apply them, you know, to many different situations, and uh, it just it makes the music um, fuller and richer and more relevant. Absolutely, no, totally. Well, so we're good. let's go on to the next song. So the next song that you picked, I want to hear some of the the feelings and stories and reasons behind is Dark Hollow. Uh, yes, um, Dark Hollow was almost always performed as an acoustic song. Um, I mean, they did the the big acoustic runs in 1970. And 1980, the ones from 1980 uh, were recorded for the Reckoning album, and that was that was probably the first live Grateful Dead album that I really just obsessed over. Um, I mean, listened to Reckoning so many times, and and when I finally discovered Archive.org, what was a really neat thing for me was going back through all of those shows. 
um, like the Radio City run in 1980, because the Reckoning album was a compilation. It wasn't, you know, a straight through recording. It was, you know, they picked, um, you know, what they thought were the best recordings there. And uh, Dark Hollow was always one of my favorites from that run. And I always heard this urban legend um, that they had played uh, Dark Hollow with, you know, with the electric band. Um, and the more reading I did on it, I found that there were two uh, shows in 1971 where they played it with the electric band. One, Jerry was still on acoustic, but this version uh, is from April of 71, um, which was the only time that they ever played this song with Jerry plugged in. Wow. And uh, yeah, uh, it's it's a swinging uh, version of a song that's usually a little bit more mellow, but it's still, you know, uh, beautiful Bobby lyrics and uh, a wonderful song um, that I've enjoyed a lot with my family, actually. Well, it, yeah, it does have a, it is one of those songs, and I think like a handful of those songs and reckonings are very, um, they have that um, childlike folk, folklore, I guess I want to say, a folkloric sense that um, that is, you know, that appeals to children. Um, They're like sing-along campfire songs. Exactly. Right, Well, right. this version, I bet, is going to be new for so many listeners, so let's go in and hear it, and then, uh, and then we'll go uh, a little bit down the road, so everybody enjoy. I'd rather be in some dark hour Where the sun don't ever shine Than to be in some big city In a small room with a girl on my mind So blue with freight train Takes me far Oh, 
our call out and reckoning. And it's funny putting this on. I This happened with a lump of two podcasts and it's happening now. And, you know, I mean, anyone who's listened to these podcasts, I just love a little serendipity and magic around everything. I managed to find it every week. So I had, I think, my first recording from Reckoning is on the podcast that aired today with Eli. And so that happened with, I had choices and then two choices again. So I wonder, you know, I wonder what that means. Uh, there's, there's someone looking out for you. There's, there's you know? someone that's like drawing yeah. in that direction, right? Yes. You know, like when yep. you, like you get drawn back to something, you know, to have the sequence of selections that happen in a row. Um, I think it's cool. I mean, as we've, you know, you've mentioned, there's so much out there that, you know, there's just, there's so much. Have the, the repetitive, well, I guess this isn't from Reckoning, but to have Reckoning come up two weeks in a row and right. not come up before is, uh, yeah, makes me want to dig into it some more. It's a great album. Absolutely. The next uh, the next pick on your list is, is from the Nationals with uh, Morning Dew. So, you know, tell me a little bit about, you know, where, where you were when you came to this and a little bit of that backstory. Well, yeah, this is a compilation album that was put together by the the Dessner brothers. Um, I believe their names are Aaron and Bryce Dessner, who are the rhythm section of the National. The National is not a band that I'm that I've ever listened to obsessively, but they, I mean they're a you know good band, and I listen to a lot of indie rock, and and so they've always kind of been in my sphere. Um, but they put this album together. It was a, a, a long term. Um, project that they did. Um, they developed a really strong friendship with Bob Weir uh, when Bob recorded his uh, album of cowboy music last year, Blue Mountain. Um, they served as his backing band on that album. Really? And when he, when he toured last year, um, they served as his backing band on that tour. And so, uh, you know, Bobby's on the album a couple times, playing with uh, The National and with Wilco. There's a few other, you know, uh, I mean, it's either Bill Kreutzmann or his kids are on there. Bruce Hornsby does a really, really great version of Black Muddy River, Um, uh, probably my favorite um, recording of that song uh, with uh, a guy from Bon Iver. And there's just a lot of uh, uh, bands that I really like um, that I had no idea that they were even into the dead. Um, I mean, Kurt Vile and the War on Drugs and Real Estate and Courtney Barnett and Wilco, you know, put really great versions of songs. I mean, what, what I consider a great cover is, is if you're playing somebody else's song, uh, what, what you do is you, you change the listener's perception of that song. And I, <laughs> there's, there's different kinds of covers. Um, the one I always go to is I, sometimes a cover will actually steal a song from the original artist. And I always think about Hendrix's version of All Along the Watchtower. Like oh, essentially, yeah. you know, once Hendrix played it, you know, Bob Dylan was probably like, well, you know, that one's yours <laughs> it's now. It's over. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well, um, yeah. No, absolutely. But, I think about like Joe Crocker's career was like yes. – a Beatles cover, right? I mean, yes. like he, that's yes. another great, I think about is just completely took that song and turned it into something else. And, and if you were to say, name a Joe Crocker song, it, you know. I could buy with a little help from my friends, yes. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Though I don't think he took it over in a better way personally. But anyways, no shade to Joe Crocker, but the Beatles. <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, this version of Morning Dew, I mean, this is a, a, a song that in general – that I've, I've really um, started to get deeper into over the last year. 
Um, it wasn't, you know, I, I, if, if you talked to me a, a year or two years ago, I wouldn't have listed Morning Dew as one of my um, favorite dead songs. Uh, never disliked it, but it was just uh, kind of there for me. But I've, I've done more reading on, you know, just kind of like the, the history behind uh, the songwriting process with this song. I've listened to more and more versions. The, the Cornell 5877 that's coming out in May, this is the one single that was released off of it that they've been playing uh, a little bit on, you know, Sirius XM, and, and you can get it on the streaming services. And uh, and so this is just a song that I've been more into. Um, the Nationals version of it is, I think, really neat. Um, they, uh, they do it in, uh, you know, the, I think the proper and respectful tempo for this song. Um, you know, their recording style and, and the vocalist's style is just kind of echoing and haunting and it it, it really fits uh the, the the lyrics and the pace of this song and so this was one of the songs off of that day of the dead compilation that stood out to me and like we were talking about earlier you know the music is continuing and it's being adopted by you know uh younger and more contemporary musicians and taken in different directions and uh, I think it's fantastic. I'm really excited to have it on. Absolutely. I love that you are bringing something new to the table, you know, and some people may have heard it and some people may not. And then, you know, it makes me want to go hear more about what they've done. You know, it just exposes different musicians and, and different angles. And um, very, very cool. Well, let's go in and hear it. And then uh, and then we'll come back and um, maybe talk a little bit about uh what's next on the list, which is kind of like what's next on the road. So uh, I'm excited to, to, to dive in to the next topic. So everybody enjoy listening to Morning Dew uh, from the Nationals, and uh, we will be back. Sounds great. Yeah, in the morning, do my 
listening to Morning Dew, and, you know, the next incarnation of the band that you selected is Dead and Company, but I don't want to talk right away about, you know, your selection, but just, you know, a little bit about, um, you know, past experience and and future experiences coming up with, with uh, seeing the band on the, on the road. Okay. Yeah. I came into Dead and Company, I, I think my experience was similar to a, a lot of other fans, in that, uh, you know, Fare Thee Well was a really cool idea and a really cool project. I did not attend the shows, but I, I watched the webcast. Uh, really thought uh, Trey did a fantastic job. Um, had a lot of friends that went to those shows, and they came back and said, you know, it was it was fun and the vibe was cool and the music sounded great. And then, you know, immediately, like, the echo of Fare Thee Well had not even finished um, ringing, and we're talking about Dead & Company. And we're not only talking about, you know, an, another version of the band, but we've got John Mayer uh, jumping in there. And I had the same level of skepticism about John Mayer that, that a lot of people did. And I also have come to um, really appreciate and enjoy, you know, what, what he's doing. And I, I, I like it more every day. I listen to it more every day. But, uh, yeah, I, I was able to get up to Boulder Last year, um, and see Dead and Company went with some good friends of mine. Took the whole family up there, and uh, but the kids did not go to the show. Uh, we just we rented a house and had a babysitter with the kids, and I went with our friends and with my wife. It was my wife's first Dead show. Ooh, what and, did, what did, so what did she think of the scene? What did she think of just like the the overall scene of the people and uh, you know? She had a, a a high level of skepticism coming in. Um, <laughs> And and she just she thought it was I, I mean I you know I, I can't speak for her. I can't say that you know what exactly she thought it was going to be but she was she had some nervousness is this going to be just crazy um, drug fueled um, anarchy <laughs> um, but you know we, we we go to the first night and she comes out and she was just like man you know that was really good and I knew most of those songs. And I was singing along and dancing, and I had a really, really good time. And then we went to the second night, and we, you know, we're kind of like packing up for the weekend. And she, she approached me, and she's like, okay, you know, I'm not a deadhead. I'm not a deadhead, uh, but that was really, really fun. And if we could ever do that again, I would do it. And so I, uh, our Christmas card this year, um, I made a picture of the, the two of us at that show, and I just put deadheads at the bottom, and she laughed. Aww. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I have a similar experience, and I, and I asked because over the summer, last summer, I took my husband to um, SPAC to see Dead & Co., and, yes. and he is a huge music fan. I mean, he knows, you know, as much about music, more about music than I do about so many, you know, different bands, and, and he loves great music. I mean, similar genres, great taste. But he's not a deadhead, you know. He's just right. he he's not. He he can appreciate. He has some favorite songs, you know. He had skeletons in the closet when he was in high school, and he never saw them live. And and since we've been together, he's gotten to know the catalog more and has you know some favorites, but not not a deadhead. Music fan, not a deadhead. Sure. So I was um yeah. So he came with me, and he's actually going to come with me this year to SPAC too. And his he was so funny. He got lost. He he took off like at the beginning of I want to say like it was the first song to go get something. To to drink and it was uh, an outdoor venue and he could he didn't figure out that to get through the crowds back down that you just have to walk 
through the crowds. You know, like yeah. you don't you don't walk around. You just like the the sea the, the sea will part and you just walk. You, you have to take the initiative and people will let you through. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, he had no idea. So he was gone the whole first set. So I was just kind of like by myself, which is cool. You know, like I made some friends, had a good time. You know, like all good and dance and whatever. And uh, and I I was kind of like oh, he's gone. I hope he's having a good time. <laughs> you know, like I don't know where you are. It's been you know I don't know well over an hour and uh pop back and uh and there was some guy that was like dressed completely in like a uh in like a rainbow onesie bodysuit thing i don't know he came back with some pretty funny you know like observations and shit that you know he hasn't seen at other shows and uh the the verdict was enjoyed himself but um at spac not interested in going to any indoor venues, any like crowded venues, any big right. places like he and, and we'll go back to SPAC because I said, are you going to come to Fenway? And he's like, fuck no. You know, like, no, 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 like not 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 in for like any spot, any venue, but for like a fun summer place. Yeah, sure. For the once a year. Uh, yeah. Well, venue's a big deal. And, uh, I mean, I've, <laughs> I've, I've been to, uh, a lot of great venues around the country, um, and it really, really adds to, um, the experience of the show that you're seeing. Um, I've seen some great bands in some crappy venues, and, you know, if you're great, you're great, you know, but I'd, I'd rather see somebody, uh, in, in a place that is, is comfortable and, and looks cool, and, um, you just kind of get the vibe of the, the, the building or the arena that you're in. Um, and uh, a cool venue can make everybody have a better time. No, absolutely. No, I totally agree. I, um, you know, I think it's good to just sort of know know where you're at, know where your limits are, and know what you're into, and just do that. You know, so it was uh, it was it was a good experience that will hopefully be repeated as a good experience this June. So, um, well, you picked uh, you picked Saint Stephen. So tell me that. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you came to this song from Dead and Company as the next uh, selection. Um, well, the reason I, I kind of landed on St. Stephen um, is I, I, I've just kind of been, been thinking and following um, John Mayer's uh, progression with this band. And I've, I've ended up, you know, I don't know how I got here, but I've ended up like listening to a lot of John Mayer live music from before he joined Dead and & Company. Um, and he sort of got this little dead bug a few years ago um, and he'd been playing you know friend of the devil and althea um, and going down the road feeling bad um, just throwing those songs into his repertoire uh, before dead and company ever came along um, and he had this this relationship with with bob weir he met bob weir and 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 played with him a little bit and what i've yeah i mean john mayer is a fantastic guitar player um, you've had numerous people on your show that have talked about his skill um, as a player and, you know, beyond that, just, you know, his, his passion for music. What I think is really, really neat is his, um, relationship with Bobby. They have this thing that's, uh, kind of a, a cosmic thing. John Mayer was born on Bob Weir's 30th birthday. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so it, here in October, you know, Bobby's going to be turning 70 on the same day that John Mayer's turning 40. And they have just a really neat relationship that is partly like musical mentor, partly like father figure, but partly like just, you know, buddies. And they have a lot of respect for each other um, as, as musicians and as people. Um, and, and their friendship is really um, visible. Um, and it's just kind of a neat thing to see. But what Mayer plays all this stuff 
mostly, mostly he plays it very faithfully. You know, he's not trying to copy what Garcia did, but he's he's staying within the song. He's staying within the structure and melody of the song. And if we're listening as, you know, longtime fans of the music, not, there's not much that Mayer does that really kind of steps outside the tradition. Um, but I have noticed as I was playing a lot of um, shows from the summer tour last year that with St. Stephen, he tends to go in a, a little bit different direction. He plays it as more of a, uh, a little bit more feedback, a little bit more crunch um, to the guitar uh, that you might get from like a 80s hard rock guitar sound. And he kind of shreds it a little bit. And uh, I think it's great. What they did with St. Stephen was, I, I thought, a little bit outside the tradition, taking it from its psychedelic roots to a, a different place that I think is new and interesting. And it kind of fits the theme that we're talking about of keeping the music modern and fresh and moving forward. Uh, and and uh, I, I do not remember um, which show I took this from. It was Alpine Valley or, or at Fenway, but um, uh, this is a good one. No, I, I totally agree with everything you say. And, and listeners, there was no theme chosen for today's, uh, today's podcast. So <laughs> just in, in yes. case anybody is wondering, I mean, you know, Iris, I didn't talk to it all before. You know, we have chatted on the phone, but we haven't talked about any of this stuff. So this is, uh, you know, this is, yes, one more little, little, little bit of serendipity that seems to flow through um, all conversations dead related. Uh, but no, there was no theme assigned to today's conversation. But what's old is new, and what's new is old. Uh, kicked off with Chuck Berry. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's going down that road. So, and I I love this road. So so much fun. Well, let's uh, let's go in and hear some Saint Stephen from Dead and Company, and then we'll be back with uh, one more story and one more song. Okay.
listening to St. Stephen with Dead and Company. And, uh, you know, I started asking you about past Dead and Company and future Dead and Company. And then I, in classic form, hijacked the conversation with my own, uh, my own personal story with my husband. But we never got to future Dead and Company. And when we did talk before, you had told me that you have some plans this summer. And I, and I want to have you share them because uh, they just make my heart smile. Uh, yes. Well, like I said, we, we went to uh, the Boulder shows last year with the whole family. Um, and my son, I mean, he's seven, he turns eight next week, actually. And uh, he has developed quite a fondness um, for this music and for this band. And he was really sad when, when we went to Boulder to see these shows, but he himself did not go to the shows. And so what I told him was, well, you know, you're a little young, and I just, I really wanted to see the scene um, and just kind of get a sense for, you know, is it going to be safe for a, a kid that young, and is he going to have a good time? And so I told him last summer, if he played his cards right, then maybe we would get to go to a show uh, next year. But at that point, I didn't know, like, you know, we never know. Is, is this band, every, every time they announce a tour, will this be the end of it, uh, you know, some of these guys are getting old and, you know, some of these guys have other projects and we never know. There's no uh, certainty that this will ever happen again. And so they announced summer tour. I think it was back in December. And, uh, and I snatched up tickets, six shows. Um, I mean, they opened the tour in, in Las Vegas and Phoenix. And so those are both driving distance for me. And then they're doing Boulder again, again, driving distance for me. And they finished the tour in Chicago. They're playing uh, two nights at Wrigley Field. And I have a, a cousin um, who lives in Chicago. He's a big Dead fan. I mean, he used to tour with them back in the late 80s um, and, you know, sell shirts and whatever. And he gave me a shirt and, you know, some tapes back then. And it was a really kind of formative thing for me. But I never had any expectation that I would go to all of those shows. I was just hoping to, you know, maybe do four of the six. And the way it just sort of ended up, was my my wife is going back east. Um, she's actually going to a wedding in Boston in June, and she's going with her mom and my daughter, who's now five. And she approached me and said, you know, I'm doing this trip with our daughter. It would be really neat if you did something with your son so he didn't feel left out. Why don't you two go to Chicago? Um, and this was just sort of dropped in my lap. Um, wow which, uh, yeah, uh, got some plane tickets and uh, told Jackson that, uh, that he's going to get to go, and we've been talking about it a lot. He's, I always have dead music on. Um, it's 70% of what I play around the house. And uh, he likes it, but it's not something that he had really, like, you know, actively um, taken a role in much. You know, he would, he would notice songs or, you know, oh, I like that one, whatever. But over the last month or two since we've talked about doing this trip, um, he's really, oh, can you play that version of, you know, of of playing in the band? Yeah. Um, And and I did this thing with him one time, you know, we're listening to some version of China Rider and I was just kind of rewinding, you know, I'm like, right here's the moment where, you know, we transition from one song to the next. And he, you know, he heard that and, uh, and thought that was pretty neat. And so now every time we play a China writer, he's like, you know, is that it? Is that it? Oh, there it is. You know, and, but he's, he's doing like he'll do it just kind of reflexively now. Like you know, we, we listen to some show, whatever, and he'll be like, oh, that's, you know, is, is that Eyes of the World starting up? You know, and it's just, yeah, wow. he's, turn, he's turning into a, a, 
absolute hardcore little deadhead. Oh, um, and so I, I think we're going to have a great time. Yeah, you made a trip of a lifetime. And, you know, that's such a great age because, I mean, when I think back to childhood, I feel like seven, eight, I mean, those are those are your, like, earliest solid memories, you know? I mean, I have, like, flashes of, you know, when you're four, five, six, but I, I, I right. don't know. I think seven, eight years old is when you, you know, it's a, it's a lifetime experience. I mean, I, I mean, obviously lifetime meaningful for you with your son, but, but that'll, that'll be something that he'll take with him forever. You know, that, that weekend away with his dad and the music and, um, ah, that's just, it's so beautiful. I love yeah. it. Love it. Well, this, this plays into the last song selections, Jackson, your son. Yes. What would he pick for his, uh, for his final selection? Uh, well, I mean, his favorite dead song is Jack I mean, his nickname is Jack <laughs> and, uh, and he loves Jack and, and we've, you know, played many, many different versions of, of that song. Um, my daughter, her name is Evangeline. Um, and she really loves, uh, he's gone because <sighs> nothing left to do, but smile, smile, smile. She has actually has a t-shirt that says smile, smile, smile. Aww. And, uh, and, and so she really wanted me to pick, uh, either that song or, um, Evangeline by Jerry Band. Oh, no, we'll play them both. We'll play them both. Uh, no, no, we'll play them both. No, yeah. no. Hey, I've got two kids. What's fair is fair, man. No, yeah. I mean, we will play them both. This is a, this podcast is, is, it's, it's a digital scrapbook for you. It's fun. It's ad hoc. You can send me the the other file, and uh, we'll just we'll just do one after the other. Because you know you you gotta um, you do you know you got two kids. You're gonna have two two favorites. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Well, they, yeah, they they'll think it's great. They think this whole thing is <laughs> is awesome. Like every day, they're like, "Daddy, are you gonna be on the radio today?" <laughs> um, you know what you're gonna have to do is when this is on Fish Creek Radio. Shout yes. out to Rick. You're gonna have to play it because they do it live. So you'll you'll have the podcast, and I'll send you the MP3 to ha- just have. But yeah, cool. when when uh, when it's on live, like there's kind of something fun about that too. Yeah. You know, because it's like boom. So well, that'll be um. We'll, we'll, we'll give you the heads up on that, but um, cool. No, we're going to add them both. So Evangeline and Jack, we uh, we got one for both of you. I have a Joe and a Julia, and, uh, you know, one can't get, you know, four M&Ms without the other getting four M&Ms. Of so course. As, as, as course. a mom, I yes. would never pick one song <laughs> and not the other because that's just not fair. So right on. Well, let's uh, let's go in and, uh, and play these for um, – for your children and then uh, we'll come back and, and we'll do a little goodbye that's wonderful okay there was a wealthy merchant in London he did well he had a beautiful daughter the truth to you I'll tell She had sweethearts of plenty and men of her degree. None but Jack the Sailor, her true love could be. Country and his darling girl behind. Oh, his darling girl behind. She went out to a tailor shop and dressed in men's gray. She 
on the little countenance they call me Jackaroo.
listening to the last couple selections and um this has just been so much fun i'm i'm so glad that we uh that you made the time to come on and uh and share your stories and and your music with us uh well thank you for inviting me um i i've come to really enjoy uh your podcast and and the stories that have been on it um always makes me smile it's always a, a nice addition to my week and so i i thank you for the uh, for the invitation and uh it's been a ton of fun Absolutely. And, you know, actually, I'm just thinking back to how we met is how we met is you sent me a message that you like listen to the podcast and that you enjoyed it. And then I said, uh, why don't you come on and be a guest? And uh, and then we kind of started the dialogue. So so I will give a shout out to anybody who's listening to this podcast. Send me a message and I will invite you along <laughs> to be a guest. <laughs> so I just uh, I mean, it's so much fun. And, and, and now I have a new friend to, uh, you know, to, to, to banter about music with and um, strangers stopping strangers. It's uh, it's it's awesome. So I thank you for for messaging me and uh, and, and, and getting the ball started. Uh, well, thank you very much. Uh, I, I've, I've really enjoyed um, talking about these things. They're like my favorite things in life and, and they make me smile. Fantastic. Well, um, until next time, thank you and, uh, and bye. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news 
and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.